Worship Project. Amen. Practice make perfect. We're still in that. Practice make perfect. Because we're called to be righteous, we must practice those things that lead to righteousness. Yes. Our lesson, big idea tonight, because we are called to be righteous, we must take action in our walk with God. Somebody say, we must take action in our walk with God. Everybody didn't say that. Let's say that again. We must take action in our walk with God. We have to take action. We have to take action. Amen. It's time for some action. <laughs> Hallelujah. Judges chapter 1. I hope you get excited about the Word of God. If you're going to grow in God, you're going to be strong in God. you got to get excited about the Word of God. Amen. The other day we were here talking a little bit right before um, we prayed. And um, it was Saturday morning before we went out and do outreach, and we were talking a little bit, and um, we always have good discussions, and so one of the discussions that we have is, you know, we, we wanted to find out, you know, what's your passion? What are you passionate about? And and that's important that you ask yourself, what are you passionate about? And um, here's the road we went down. There are things that we can look in our life and see that we're passionate about, and and most of the times it, it's not the Word of God. It's not the things of God. And so we were discovering that if you look into your life and see how passionate you are about some things that are not of God, the question will always be, how do we stand before God and tell Him what we couldn't do? Right? And, 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 and I'm just trying to get us ready so we understand when we stand before God that we understand where, you know, what it's all about. We can't stand before God and don't sell yourself on some idea that you think God is going to buy. Don't sell, sell yourself on that. You know, we love to say how much God understands and God knows my, my heart. And usually when we say that, it's because there is something that we know we're supposed to be doing that we're not doing. So we say, God understands, God knows my heart, and that's where we go from there. But all I'm going to say for that is, now think about something that you're passionate about in your regular life, and you always seem to find the energy and the focus and the, and, and, and all of what you, the drive, the motivation to do that thing, whatever that is. But you don't have the same drive, the same motivation, the same passion for the word of God. And so when you stand before God, just understand that's the position that you're in. So instead of just holding on to that and thinking, you know what? God is a good God. He's merciful. He understands. Be careful. What did the Bible say? God is a jealous God. We got to look at some of the other stuff. You know, I'm always going to tell you about the good stuff, but I'm going to tell you about the other stuff too. And the Bible says God is a jealous God. And I'm going to count jealousy as he's jealous when we're giving something else more time than we give him. He's he's jealous about that. Right? Can, Can you imagine? Let me put myself in that predicament. I'm a dad. 
and my kids want to spend more time with another man than me, I'm going to have a little bit of issue with that. I'm going to have a little bit of issue with that. You know, we are, they always want to go over so-and-so house and never want to do anything with me. I'm going to have a little bit of issue with that. And that's just me and the natural. God says he's a jealous God. So if you decide that you want to, you know, make something more important or you give it more of your time than you give God, understand God is jealous about that. Joshua chapter 1. Oh, sorry, Joshua. Joshua. It's supposed to be Joshua. I told you, judges. Ah, you're paying attention. Joshua. Joshua. My man, Josh. Yeah. Joshua chapter 1. Never overlook the obvious when you read the Word of God. Okay. Take your time and read God's Word and, and understand every word in the Word of God counts. When you read something, other things you read, you're just trying to read it to get to the main point. When I read the news, I want to get to the main point. So when they start to tell you all of the other stuff in between, you're trying to get to the main point. So you're skipping over words and you're just like, what are you trying to say? And so you're reading the, the, the news trying to say, what is it trying to say? And you try to get to the main point, right? If you listen to something, you're like, all right, just get to the point, right? That's where we are with most of our listening and reading. Well, please don't do that with the Word of God. Every word when you're reading the Word of God is essential and important. So never overlook the obvious. Look at all the words that you're reading and, and ponder it as you're reading. That's why if you're going to study your Bible, it's best, man, sometimes just to read Two, two, two scripture, not a whole paragraph, just two scripture and meditate on it and, and do some cross reference about just two verses. You'll be amazed. A lot of times we want to read a whole chapter and that's good sometimes. I'm not telling you that's not good, but, but what did I say earlier? If you, if you put too much in, you get overwhelmed and do nothing. We're, we're guilty of doing that a lot of times. We're trying to put so much in that we get overwhelmed because you're overloaded with information. And so because you get so much in your heart and in your mind, it's almost like, well, what do I do? Cause, and then sometimes it can discourage you because you realize, I'm doing that wrong, I'm doing that wrong, I'm doing that wrong. Which one do I fix first? <laughs> so it can get overwhelming. That's why sometimes it's just best just read two, two portions of Scripture. Just couple of verses, study on them. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 1 says, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So clearly, what you want to pick up from what we just read, the Lord is saying, Joshua, it's your turn to lead. The one that was leading you all before, he's dead. We got to move on. We need to keep going because the plan of God is still the plan of God. 
God's plan is bigger than all of us. And so while we play a part during our lifetime in God's plan, we might not necessarily be there when the plan is completed. We just have to fulfill our part in the plan. So Moses fulfilled his part in the plan. Now it's Joshua's time to take the lead and do his part. Joshua chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 24. You ready to read tonight? I really want to share the reading tonight, but we record these things. It's the only drawback with recording. And I just wanted people to read. I just like the flow, you know, just that read, you know, whoever wants to read, we all read and we just read. Who wants to read? Go ahead, sisters, um, Aisha. I'll tell you when you can stop. If you sound good, we'll let you go. If you don't sound too good, we'll get somebody else. We might want to hear a different voice anyway. (laughs) Aisha's birthday is Sunday, everybody. She want everybody to know. I don't know about you. You know, that's her birthday, but I just want to get it out there so she never say I never mentioned it because I might not remember Sunday because I might be locked in Sunday. I might not think about it. So I just said it, okay? Now you're going to read for me. Read the first six, Joshua chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. And then we'll get somebody else to pick up seven, and we'll keep on going. Sorry, recording. Go ahead, Sister Aisha. What kind of house they came into? Y'all know what a harlot is? All right. Keep going, verse 2. Now, who who hid these men? Okay. Just want to make sure we're paying attention here. Verse 5. All right, who's my next reader? Read from 7 through 12. Thank you. 
Anybody else? 13 through 19. Twenty through twenty-four. And, and um, if the terrorists give me such power, hold on. <laughs> Who, who's got a King James? Uh huh. Amen. All of you read so well. Brother Chuby, I'm King James Bias. You know that. <laughs> Trying to insert, slip in. What, 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 what version is that that you have over there? No, 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 no. It's not King James. I'm telling you it's not. I want you to focus on, yeah, New King James. <laughs> I want you to focus um, a little bit just for a second here on verse number 9 and 10. Very, very uh, important that you see what Rahab said to them. This is what Rahab said to them. And she said unto the men, I know. That's a little, that's just two words. What do you know, Rahab? She's a harlot. She's running a harlot's home. What does she know? And she says, I know. Now that's, you, you got to know how important that is. She wasn't guessing. 
She wasn't figuring something out. Nobody told her something. She said, I know. That's the statement she made. I know that the Lord had given you the land and that your terror is falling upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard, here we go now, how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt. And what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And soon as, and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. The prostitute says she knew. We better think about that tonight. I know we have all the things that we've said about how we, what this lesson is about. But I just put this lesson in my mind, Rahab. That's all I put in my mind. As I read through this and dug deep in the scripture, I just said, Rahab. Because to be a prostitute, a hooker, whatever you want to call her, she said, I know the Lord. And because she knew, she started making arrangements. She started doing something. This is somebody that don't believe. She's not, she wasn't, she wasn't a, a follower of Jehovah, so to speak. You see how she was living her life? Now, it's always puzzling to me to ask the question, how can someone that is not following Jehovah know and other people that are following Jehovah don't know? And so that's always something that, that, that you want to think about. Now, one thing I will tell you, in order to stay in the know, you've, you've heard me said it, in order to stay in the know, you got to be involved if you want to know. If you don't get involved, you will never know. And Rahab, even as a sinner, even as one that's not following God and fear the Lord, she got involved. She got involved with the, with, with the men of God that came to spy out the land. She got involved. Anytime you get involved with what God is doing, you will know. Noah, he knew because he was involved. Anytime we get involved with God, we're going to know. We don't get involved, things are going to happen, and we're going to wonder. Sometimes we're going to even act like we knew, but we really didn't know. So let's look at this a little bit closer now and get into all of what we just read. Specific things you might want to take note of as we read through chapter 2 there of Joshua. Here's some things. Well, even part of chapter 1. Let's make a note. Moses is dead. Let's make that note. Joshua is Israel's new leader. This effort is their first 
in the renewed pursuit of the promised land. Understand this in case you don't know. God gave them a promise that they will enter this promised land. Moses started leading them, but Moses never got them to the promised land. He started leading them, but he never got them to the promised land. Now, there's a lot of reasons why Moses didn't get them to the promised land. But remember what I always say. When Moses started getting frustrated with the people, he lost his position in leading them. If you're a leader and you believe you're doing what God called you to do and you get frustrated, God will not allow you to lead his people. I don't care if it's pastor. I don't care if it's minister. I don't care what you do in the church. When you have to lead God's people, if you get frustrated to the point where you belittle them, you talk them down, or whatever you do, God just uh, slide you to the side. Because God, nobody can beat God's children but God. <laughs> do you want anybody to beat your kids? No, you want to beat your kids when they do wrong. Lead them to me. I'll take care of my business. I don't need the next door neighbor to take care of my business. I'll take care of my business. And that's how the Lord feels. Y'all are his children, and he doesn't need no help from any one of you to discipline his children. He can do it all by himself. And so it's very important that we understand that if we're going to lead people, we can't let people frustrate us to the point where we mistreat them. Joshua Send two spies as opposed to Moses who sent 12 spies. Notice there was only two that went in. When Moses sent originally spy out the land, he sent 12. Ten came back with a bad report. Two came back with a good report. As far as reported, Rahab's report is the only intel the two spies collected. So they went into the land to, to spy it out and figure out how they're going to take over the land, take over the city Jericho. And when they went to do it, the only thing they could come up with was what Rahab said to them. Can you imagine you go to spy out the land and figure out how you're going to conquer the land because God told you you would conquer the land. And they're trying to figure out all the ways they're going to conquer it. And all they ran into was a prostitute that says, I know. <laughs> I know. I told you about the guy I used to work with that used to do that, right? Guy was from um, Haiti. His name was Franz, Franz Hector. And we were training Franz. And Franz brand new. And we trained him. And everything we trained him and show him, say, Franz, this is how you set up the salad bar. I know. There was nothing you told Franz or Franz that he didn't say, I know. Now, how you know? You never did this before. But he just kept saying, I, I, I understood what he was saying. He was just, you know, being polite, you know. That was the only way he could communicate. He would say, I understand. So instead of saying, I understand, he just kept saying, I know. Just like that. I know. And because of that faith that Rahab had, she hide the spies and secure their freedom. That's another thing we know. Right? She never took the scarlet cord out of the window. Those are some things that was evident as we read through Joshua chapter 2, a little bit of chapter 1. Israel did not enter Canaan the first time as they were led by Moses because they were faithless. The reason why Moses never get, when Moses led them, they never got in, because they were faithless. 
How do we know they were faithless? Faithless people complains and murmur. <laughs> faithless people will complain you to death. Faithless people will murmur you to death. When people start doing that, I, I start doing this. Because faith is absent. Maybe once in a while I, I'll, I'll just turn it around and say, I believe God or I trust God. But sometimes I just get away because some people just always complain and murmur. And we do that when we're faithless. And when you complain and murmur, guess what it causes you to do? Not take action. This is this this lesson is good. It's so much of it. When you're faithless, you murmur and you complain. Part of your murmur and complain, yes, is faithlessness, but part of it is, so I'm not doing nothing. Help us, Lord. So you already come up with your excuse not to do anything. So you start complaining about stuff. You start murmuring about stuff. But the, the end game is, I'm not doing anything. Because if I allow faith to operate in my life, guess what? I am going to do something. And I won't be complaining because faith is operating. So I'm going to do something. You see how that works? So if you find yourself complaining, usually you're doing it and you're not doing anything, which means there's an absence of faith working in you. You're quiet on me now. Oh, we get ready to see how it works. You know, we come together. We want to learn some things, right? We don't want to be faithless. We want to be, we want to exercise our faith. Why is Rahab's story here between 40 years of faithless Israel and their transition into victorious Israel? By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believe not. You see what I mean by I want to get away from you when you start complaining because you're going to perish. Now, it might not be you're going to lose out and go to hell, but it might just be you're going to leave the Lord. You're going to backslide. You're going to live in sin for a little bit or whatever the case may be. So when you start complaining and murmuring, if I can't help you, I'm running for the hills because you're going to perish. It's just a fact. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> you see, then and how by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. So we like to say we have faith, but then we don't put works behind it. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot, even a harlot, That's living a sinful life. She was justified by works. What did she say? I know. Did she just sit back and just say, I know? No. She hid the spies because she knew. She didn't just stood around and say, well, I know. We do that to just show people that we know. That's not impressive. Knowing is not impressive. What you do with what you know is impressive. 
So we can know a lot of things, but there are people, there are people, I don't know if you remember the movie Rain Man, how smart Rain Man was, but there are people that are just bright, they're smart, they know everything, but you look and you're like, why aren't your life better? With all the knowledge you possess, with all the things that you know, man, you should be really successful. Well, knowing and doing nothing with what you know just cancel out what you know pretty much. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Isn't that the word of God? While Israel's faithlessness was revealed by their inaction or inactivity, Rahab's faith was revealed by her actions. So if you want to know how can we say Rahab had faith, she says she knew that God had given them the land. And because she knew, she took them and hid those spies. <coughs> Listen, can you imagine? She hid the spies, and if the king of Jericho would have found out she hid the spies, she was dead as doornail. I was going to say something else. But that's the risk she took. Because when you know, what does it matter anyway? It's not a risk if you know. It's a risk if you're not sure. I don't know. I'm going to try. I'll see. Man, that's risky. They're going to try. No, no, no. If you know, it's not a risk. If, 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 you know, we always see those, you know, these poles across, you know, the, 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 the deep river. If I know for sure I can walk across it and have no problems, it looked like a risk to everybody, but it's not a risk to me if I know. Rahab knew that God had given them the land, so she was like, I'm going to hide them, and I don't care what the king thinks. Mm-hmm. Rahab's story was included in this important juncture because her actions illustrated her faith. She set the example for Israel and all disciples going forward into the Lord's promise. Can I just take a pause here and say this to us? I've heard preachers preach this, and probably this is good scripture to help us understand this. You can be a Christian as much as you want to be a Christian. Born again, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you don't do because you know, or you don't do what you know, God can use somebody that don't know him to do your job. This is proof. This is proof that if we want to sit around and this is, this is, if we just want to sit around and decide that, you know what? Ah, I don't know about that. And I, you know, we, and you know, we going back and forth with should we or should we not do something that we know we should. God can bring a complete sinner and stranger to do what you should have done. And I've heard preacher preach that. Listen, we know there's only one church, and that's the apostolic church. That's, there's only one church. It, it, not this local church, but the apostolic church as a whole internationally across the world. But if we don't do what we're supposed to do from what we know about God, God can find somebody that's not apostolic to do it. We better start realizing that faith without works, God will not put up with it. We are a part of his kingdom, and he's wanting us to show what he wants us to show from what we know. 
She set the example for Israel and all disciples going forward into the Lord's promise. Faith includes action. More than a mental knowledge of the Lord or a verbal confession of his coming victory, Rahab act on her faith, her knowledge of God, who he is. She hid the messengers because she knew. What are some of the things that you know about God that you're still vacillating about? And not doing, but you already know. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. So we know those things. Why aren't we knocking? Why aren't we asking? Why aren't we? But we know those things. Or do you know? If Israel would experience victory on this second attempt, at the promised land, it would only come through obedience. Between faithless wondering and faithful promise, there is sincere obedience. Faith must ignite action. So if you have faith, actions should be ignited by you. If you have faith, there should be some action ignited because of your faith. Listen to this. Without action... And without obedience to the Lord's direction, we do not enter into his promised land. So for them, it was a physical land because it was Old Testament times. For us, it will be heaven. So let's read it for us in this hour. Without action and without obedience to the Lord's directions, we do not enter into heaven. Because when we have faith, the knowledge and we put action behind it, then we are sure that we're going to be saved. We're sure that we're going to heaven. But if we know what we know, but we don't act on it, we're not going to heaven. And so what, what do I always say? It's, it's not God that sends us to heaven or hell. It's us. So a lot of God, he's a good God. There's no way God will let us go to hell. No, God is not letting you go there. God is giving you the instructions on how to get to heaven. So either you know for sure that what God says is really true and follow it, or you just kind of do nothing. And if you do nothing, then whatever you get from nothing is what you get. What they say, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Faith accompanied by works will guarantee a response from the Lord. I'll say that again. Faith accompanied by works will guarantee a response from God. Let me tell you how good God is. That statement is so accurate. Those spies that Rahab hid, they spoke for God. Oh, God. God is a bad dude, man. He is a bad dude. Bob, he's bad. And so the the deal is, here is Rahab hiding these spies because she knew God sent them. And so she hid them. And now the king sent men to get them out of her house. And she said, oh, they're not here. They left. Go after them. While they were up on a roof with things covering over them and they're hiding. Because she knew I'd rather do something crazy to make sure God is pleased than to go do something crazy to please man. Oh, what do we do most of the time? What, what do we do? Do things to please man and say, sorry, God, you understand. So we always telling God he understands. 
So we don't do what God wants and we go do what somebody else wants because we don't want them to be upset. We don't want them to be mad at us. Listen, I'd rather please God than man every time. Can I also tell you this? Let me tell you this. We're all human. We all go through struggles. We all have emotions. We're all in this body. And we all hurt and all these different things. Can I tell you this? I experience the same kind of emotions some of you might experience sometimes. I do. But there are times, most of the times, I can't let my emotion govern my actions. This is what it really comes down to. You know, sometimes people look in and think that, oh, that's just what I really wanted. Oh, let's do it. No. My emotions said something else. My emotion wanted to respond differently. However, I checked with God's word and it says, no, no. And I got to tell you, in this day and age, in this hour that we're living in, check with your emotions. It's going to make you feel a certain way. And there's nothing wrong with how you feel. Because your feelings come from your experiences in life. So a lot of times you can't do much about what you feel. How you, you, you didn't provoke yourself to feel that way. It's what you see that caused you to feel the way you felt because of what you've experienced. So that's not the issue. The issue is what do you now do when you experience those things and have your emotions working? What do you do? And that's where you have to get sharp. And that's where you got to trust the word of God. Because there are things, you know, it's just like when we were talk, we talked about that old, you know, um, you know what what we've been dealing with a little bit in our in in in, in our organization where we're just going after um, the sin of racism. We're talking about it. Racism is a sin. We, we it's wrong in the eyes of God. But that's a subject where emotion rules, and unfortunately. Me or you cannot allow our emotions to get the best of us because I am sure that people have demonstrated racism on different sides of different race. There's racism in every in every race. I mean, sometimes people are, you know, have issues with their own race. But the deal is there's always racism going on. And so usually you're, you're, you're it's, it, it, you know, whatever race you are, you kind of sometimes your emotion pull you to that side. But you better be careful if it ain't right. Don't let your emotion get you in the wrong place. I'm just telling you, that's a, I want to use that example to let you know your emotion can pull you in a certain way. And there's nothing wrong with that. All I'm telling you is just don't do the act of it because that becomes a sin. It's like getting thoughts in your mind. And you say, where did that come from? Are you going to go do everything that pops in your mind? No, because we're supposed to be Christians. And so because we're Christians, we sift whatever thought that comes in our mind, whatever emotion that comes in our heart, whatever it is that comes, we sift it through the Word of God and say, what does the Word of God say? You can't can't help where you were born, who your family is, who you're connected to, what your experiences in life was and still is. You can't help that. It's just the way your life went. But you can help what you do as you're experiencing it. As you come, as you confront it, you can do something about that. And that's how we got, that's what we're going to have to deal with when we stand before God. What did we do?
Rather, like faithless Israel, we are left wandering in the wilderness. Sure, there are some victories. Og, this is, listen, Og and Sion. Yes, there is some manner. Yes, we can worship. And there is a tabernacle. But this is not what the Lord designed. Following Jesus is an action. Disciples move forward. Discipleship happens as we obey the Lord's direction, as we act on his spiritual direction. Hear me, church. Let me go back and touch this a little bit. Listen, we will experience victories in our life. You will see, man, since I've been going to church and trusting God, some things works out for you. You will come to church and be able to worship and feel the presence of God. You're, those things are going to happen. We will come to church and experience some of the goodness of God. But at the same time, we must put actions behind the Word of God. We can't just allow God to keep blessing us and keep doing the things He loves to do for us and helping us and giving us victories and His presence just fill the house when we come together. But we do nothing. That's not what God wants from His disciples, from His children. He wants us to put forth works behind what we know about His Word. And oftentimes, as children of God, we just like to enjoy the goodness of God. And it's okay to enjoy the goodness of God. But just sitting back and enjoying the things of God and putting no action in your life for Christ, that's not going to last very long. We can't just enjoy the goodness of God. And like I said, no, who wants to just enjoy something, somebody treating them good, and you never do anything good for them? We don't like that in the natural. If somebody always being good to you, and you, you always feel like, you know, I got to do something nice. And if you don't feel like that, you really need to check your heart. If somebody treats you well all the time, and you don't respond back in treating them well, check your heart. But if that's true where you know I want to respond back to someone, that then what are we doing about God? He's been good to us. And let me even go as far as to say this. Even if you feel like God hasn't done something for you in a good little while, guess what? You don't even know what he's doing for you even now. God has given me the message for next Sunday, not this Sunday. He gave me this Sunday message a couple weeks ago. He gave me a message for next Sunday that I am looking forward to because I ain't never heard no message like that. <laughs> like, it's, hey, it's something when the preacher gets excited. Whoa, Lord, that is something, dude. Oh, give it to me. I thought that was just different. I'm like, woo, all right, Jesus. But, but, but God is working even when you think he's not working. So the bottom line is, we don't have a reason to not put some action into what we know about the Word of God. But this is not what the Lord designed. Following Jesus is an action. Disciples move forward. Discipleship happens as we obey the Lord's direction, as we act on His spiritual direction. Or as James explained long ago, what good is it? Dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Can that, can that kind of faith save anyone? 
So even in that same passage of Scripture in James, here's it in common words. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food, any clothing, any money, or anything. What do you expect? You have knowledge of what they need. You have knowledge of how we are to love one another. You have knowledge of what the word says, love your neighbor as yourself. And you see someone, no food, no clothes, they struggling. And you're saying, God's going to bless you. And you just walk and leave them. What is that? What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. So us knowing God isn't enough. Unless us knowing God produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Your knowledge of God means, oh my God. It sounds, this almost sounds sacrilegious, but it's true. Knowing God and understanding who he is and doing nothing about it, it means nothing for you knowing God. It's, it's useless. Knowledge is useless if you do nothing with it. And that's what God is trying to get us to do, to say, okay, you know. Now what now? Now that you know, what then? Rahab. The one that was not following Jehovah, when she knew, she did something. Is Rahab doing better than you? That's heavy. Listen, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. You know there's one God. So you say, I have faith because I know God. Guess what? That's good. Even the devil believed this. But guess what? This is heavy. You believe, or should I take that back and say, you know there's one God. And he's almighty and all powerful. You know that. And you can sit and chill. The Bible says the devil also believed. But he does something. So you're going to let Rahab outdo you? And you're going to let the devil outdo you? We didn't talk. These are not church folk. The devil is the devil. He couldn't live for God when there was no devil. You'll get that tomorrow. You didn't get that? The devil couldn't live for God when there was no devil? There was nobody tempting him. There was nobody making him do wrong. You have somebody working on your nerve. The devil and his demons are working overtime, always trying to get you to do wrong. He had nobody tempting him, and he still couldn't do right. <laughs> so you got the devil having the knowledge of who God is, and he trembles. You got Rahab, this harlot, that's running a harlot place and doing harlotry, and she knew God and did something about it. Where does that put us, the people of God? So you see, we're all shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. 
Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without works. Now, can I say this to you real quick? We like to make assessments. I'm, 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 I'm refraining from saying judging. We like to make assessments. And sometimes we know how to look like Christians. And so we make assessment that if we look like Christians, then we're doing all right. Some people are closer in their conversion state in their heart than some people that are looking like Christians. I've learned, a lot of Christian people are not going to tell you this, because they want to always feel good about themselves. But I've learned, Cornelius taught me this, man. Cornelius taught me this, that a person might not look the part that you think they should look, but where their heart is for what God is doing in their life, they might be closer to God than where you are. That was Rahab. Passing her house and watching men. Listen, back in those days, a man could not go in a woman's house if that wasn't his house. So just thinking about men going in her house and you looking across the street like, man, she off the chain. Every time you turn around, somebody running up in that house. There's no way in your mind you're going to think she could be close to conversion. You see that? But what was going on, and maybe that's what some of us need, but what was going on was she was feeling so terrible about what she was doing. Oh, somebody help me tonight. She was feeling so bad, even though she was doing it, because you don't know the lifestyle that we were introduced to. You don't know the challenges and the situation that we've been dealing with. And so we like to just judge quickly and say, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe it. But you don't know the situation. And so she might have been being a prostitute, a harlot, but it was killing her every day and every night. She cried. Out. There gotta be a better way. There gotta be something better than this. I'm tired of living like this. And she's crying out, but she just felt trapped and doing what she was doing always, always. But she just wanted a change. And finally, a situation arose where she could have demonstrated that I just wanted God to help me. I just wanted to know God. I wanted to just just get a right relationship with God. But all that time, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know where to go. I wanted to get out of my situation. But there was no help. But my heart was in a good place. She didn't even, she wasn't even trying to say her heart. But what she did tell you where her heart was. That's the main thing. What she did tell you where her heart was. And a lot of times, we try to sell a bill of goods, man. Trying to make it seem like, yeah. Listen. Faith without works is dead. We can talk all we want to talk. But until we put some action behind it, until we do like Rahab did, faith without works is dead. And God is only going to accept the works because of your faith. Discipleship takes place in our lives by acting on the spiritual disciplines the word of God reveal. What makes, what, what, what can we do to apply discipline in works, that is? We need to look at ourselves and say, 
Am I praying or do I just know about prayer? You know, let me just throw this out there. I desire today for a Saturday evening prayer to look like a Sunday morning service. I just thought I'd throw that in. Faith without works is dead. And what I do know, just from my experience, so I'll share this with you so maybe you'll think about it. What I do know is this. When a lot of people get together to pray, it's different than when one or two. It's different than when three or four. When you get a whole bunch of people that decide, I'm, you, you felt it here tonight, just starting out. It's just different when everybody's praying. We know that, but we don't do it enough. Where's our faith? Is it just a little bit? Is it none? Or do I have a whole lot, but I got a whole lot of things to do? I think that's the, I think the latter one is probably what we like to say. Yeah, I do have a lot of faith. I just got a lot to do. Okay. All right. Do you fear man more than you fear God? And that's what a lot of things to do mean. You fear man more than you fear God. Just got to give it to you straight tonight. What the preacher says sometimes, maybe I won't see you again. <laughs> so let me just make sure I give it all, right? But but when we say I just got a lot going on, what we're saying is I fear man more than I fear God. There's sometimes you just gotta stand take a stand and says, I just gotta do God's will, man. I'm not telling you to do anything crazy. Please don't go and do anything just crazy. I'm just I'm just saying there there are places in our life that we can cut back and and do for God as opposed to ourselves. There's areas in our life we can trim some fat in our life. We can. Do I read, study and contemplate the word, the word of God, or am I simply aware of his word and we only read on Sundays? Am I engaged with fellowship with the body of Christ? Or am I just satisfied with whatever time we come together and we just kick it for a little bit? One of the things that's true that we have to look at is this. We're all going to heaven together if that's what, where we're planning to go. You better get used to one another. <laughs> you, better, you better find the good in each other and appreciate that and don't look for the bad. Because you're going to have to see that person for a long time. I know what you're saying. I heard you. My mansion is big enough where I might not have to see them. discipleship is not mental ascension it is acting on his direction all right i'm done so listen to this think about yourself as i read this what are the chances rahab said to herself Of all the houses they might have visited, of all the doors they might have knocked, what are the chances of them coming to my door? Remember what I told you. Men couldn't go to women's house back then unless that was your house, man. So they were going and they knocked on Rahab's door. What are the chances? That's how Rahab was looking at it. What are the chances that they would come and knock on my door. And why would they believe me? So watch how it's working. 
Rahab knew. But those men had to know too. They had to trust this harlot. Why would I trust her? All she knew was crook and hook so she could make a living. Why would I trust her word? Well, they had to trust her word. But guess what? It's not because they trusted her word. It's because they knew. <laughs> they knew who they were serving. They knew who promised them the land. So when they went to that door and knocked and Rahab came and let them in and was hiding them, they knew it was good as gold because God sent them to get that land. And by all means necessary, they were going to get the land. Whatever God says, it doesn't matter what it takes to get it accomplished. It will be accomplished. If God said it, it's going to be accomplished. So they had to know God and know how God did things in order to respond the way they responded. Uh-huh. Rahab said, my life wasn't a secret. My profession was obvious. How could they find me believable? I did hide them. I suppose that was important. Actually, looking back, it seemed that action made all the difference. That's how Rahab was thinking. Because they believed me and they made good on their promise, we were spared. Our lives were saved. Our history, my history, was left behind in the rubble. God can save you once. He can save you twice. He can save you three times. He can keep saving you over and over again. But it's going to take some action. Doesn't matter how long you've been living for God. Don't matter how short you've been living for God. It still takes action. You know the Word of God. You know who God is. It still takes action. We will not get delivered if we don't take action. We will not be resaved if we don't take action. We will not be healed if we don't take action. It all comes down to my faith has to ignite some action in me because I'm trusting, because I know God. I'm believing and trusting Him. Whenever you give up on God, there's a faith problem. Is the faith problem. Because faith says he loves me. He's able. He'll never give up on me. He died for me. So whatever I'm going through right now, I got to endure. He'll never put more on me than I can bear. These are things that we know. So if we know them, why would we even back up on God or, or say, I can't? Why? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Why would we back up? Why would we worry and say, I don't know if I can? No, no, no. Put some action to it. And most of the times, look at your life and see, you probably didn't put no action. You probably was murmuring and complaining and didn't put no action. And that's why you're stagnated. And that's why you're fearful. Because if you don't have faith, fear will grip you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. When the city of Jericho fell, Rahab and her whole family were preserved according to the promise of the spies. I would just say according to the promise of God. 
because I feel like those spies operated on behalf of God. Even though they were sent by their leader, Joshua, they still operated on behalf of God. And so, yes, they were preserved according to the promise of the spies and were incorporated among the Jewish people. She afterwards became the wife of Salmon, a prince of the tribe of Judah. In the book of Matthew, it refers to Rahab as the wife of Salmon. Their son, Boaz, married Ruth and became the father of Obed, the grandfather of Jesse, and the great-grandfather of David. We can't be so selfish and not understand. I don't know when the Lord is coming back, but you have an opportunity to set some things in order that even if you die next week or two years or ten years from now, you'd have lived a life that every generation that came after you will be affected by you. You might not see it with your own eyes. You might not get to experience by living it, but live your life now and you might change the course of everything that came after you. We can't just have a narrow view and thinking, I'm just trying to get to heaven. I'm just trying to live for God. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. When you get tired, you got to tell yourself, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. It's me now that's trying to get to heaven. But if I keep going, not only will I be saved, but my whole family and people that are connected to my family. And who knows, the next greatest preacher that come into this world that will preach a revival to save thousands. It might be because I kept living for God. It might just be. We don't know. We got to understand that. You can't be selfish living for God. You've you been hearing me say that. You, st- you, st- you be selfish living for God. You will not make it. Heaven will not be your home. It just won't work for you. You got to realize this is bigger than you. Thus, a Canaanite harlot became part of the lineage of King David out of which the Messiah came. So Jesus Christ was born and the lineage that he came through, Rahab had everything to do with it. Perhaps an early sign that God's grace and forgiveness is extended to all that is not limited by nationality or nature of a person's sin. We like to judge sin and say what sin is worse than the other. Man, you know for a woman, ain't no sin worse than that. But that's in our eyes. In God's eyes, he don't look at any sin. People always want to wait sin. And we're, you tell on yourself when you're making sin weighted. All you're saying is, I don't do that. That's all you're doing when you're making sin weighted. So what you're saying all the time, when you, when you want to give a hard time, listen, I look at sin and just call it sin. I don't care what the sin is. It's a sin. And so I don't have time to say, well, that, oh, my goodness, can you believe they did that? It doesn't matter what it is. In God's eyes, sin is sin. And his, his what he did was he died for all sin. There's no weighted sin around here. She did it in the eyes of most women. What's the worst you could ever do? And now we're reading the Messiah came through her lineage. So so what sin now you're going to put a weight on and say, oh, that's terrible. 
All sin is bad. All sin puts you in a bad place with your relationship with God. All sin is not harlot sin or lion sin. All sin. And the Lord wants us to know he is no respecter of persons. And he will save whoever will have faith and put works in it. Anybody. Just put some works in that faith. And he will save you. The scripture do not tell us how Rahab, who came out of a culture where harlotry and idolatry were acceptable, recognized Jehovah as the one true God. We don't know how she recognized him. She did, however, say, I remember when the Lord led you out of slavery. And so there's something... As a matter of fact, when you study real deep, Scripture teaches that where Rahab lived, it wasn't far from Egypt. So she was probably able to see how the Lord parted the Red Sea and brought the children of Israel through it. So she had some firsthand experience as to what God did. That's why she said, I know what God did. So it's not about your history of your connectivity of, of you know, how if you used to go to church. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. The only thing that matters is that you have faith and you put some works behind it. Uh-huh. Turns out that hiding those spies was a life-changing choice. How often are we faced with life-changing choices and we may have missed it? It certainly was a life-changing choice for Rahab. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had, and she dwelleth in Israel even until this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. You know, part of what I thought about when I went through all of this, we got to start being good to one another. Because God says, I will bless them that bless thee. And curse them that cursed thee. When you treat each other good, automatically you're saying, you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. And you have no idea how that will return big dividends to you. Don't look at anybody. It doesn't matter. Remember Rahab. If you saw Rahab when she was hiding the spies, I wonder what she looked like at the time. Did she have on some harlot clothes? You see what I'm saying? We just got to get real into this. Think about when she was hiding and when she came to the door. She probably didn't look um, like no Christian lady. Nah, she, I'm sure she didn't look apostolic. I'm sure she didn't. She probably thought it was another customer. She probably did think it was another customer. But then as soon as she came to the gate, probably she just, oh, she saw what they was dressed like in men of God. And right away, she started treating them good, men of God. I just believe if we will treat each other good, it says something about what we think about God and what we think about each other. You can't base how people look on how you're supposed to treat them or where their heart is. I'm not telling you that eventually what you are inside shouldn't come outside. That's not what I'm saying. I am just saying, just think about Rahab and where she came from and how God worked in her life. And God can be doing that in a whole lot of other people's life. And we just got to trust that process of what God is doing. Love people. 
people and have faith and put works in your faith so God can be pleased. If you want God to respond to you, you must have faith and put works behind it. God cannot not respond to faith and works. He can't. He can't help it. Remember what I told you. Faith with works is like a magnet to God. So if you have faith and you put works in it, it's like a magnet pulling iron. He gotta come your way. That's what he instituted. It ain't because we, 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 we big and bad or big and large. No, it's because this is his way. This is his method. This is his principle of how he operates. You have faith and works. I will respond to you. But if you just want to have knowledge, and sit back and do nothing, he can't do nothing for you. Let's stand together. Rahab. That's all I know. Rahab. Sometimes you're going to go through something, or you never know the next few days, something might come your way, or you might interact with someone. Just think, Rahab. Don't act like you know, don't treat people any kind of way other than Rahab. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, let not the word of God that we just received fall on deaf ears. Lord, but let the word that we just heard go into our heart and take root, Lord Jesus. God, we need desperately for you to work in us. Lord, we're not capable and we're not able, Lord God, to overcome some of the challenges and obstacles that we face. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And Lord God, we know that your power is greater than any other power. There is no other power in this earth, Lord God, that can compare. For all power comes from you, Lord. And so tonight we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that faith, Lord God, will move us to action. That, Lord, we will not just have a whole bunch of information just traveling in our mind and not doing anything with it. But move us, Lord God. That Let faith move us to action, Lord God. That, Lord Jesus, we can begin to experience the blessings of God. Experience deliverance and salvation. Lord, if Rahab can experience what she experienced, then we can experience some great things as your children, Lord. Help us tonight, Lord God, that something will take place deep down in our heart that we can't be the same as when we first came in here tonight but let something transfer into us Lord God that will cause us to be different. I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of God will overshadow us Lord Jesus and that faith will work mightily in our life that we will become doers of your word and not just hearers only. I pray in the name of Jesus that this church will be transformed by the power of God because we put action in our faith and you will respond to us Lord. I know you have great things in store for us and I know Lord we will never get anything done without overcoming struggles and challenges but Lord we're up for the struggles. We're up for the challenges. We're up for it Lord God. Now Lord Jesus as we put faith and works into action will you respond. Will you hear and will you do great things, Lord? We need miracles to take place. We need salvation to take place. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like on the day of Pentecost, to transpire in our life, Lord. We need your power to work mightily like we've never experienced. Lord, we will make sure 
our faith and works operate in our life. We need it to work, Lord God. And so we call on your name to ask, let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.